You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We're kicking off a new message series today called Life in New Creation. Uh, We had a wonderful celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ last Sunday on Easter Sunday. Uh, And uh, we recognize the fact that resurrection, yes, it was an, an event, but it's also a person. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the resurrection and the life. Uh, And with Jesus, the future promise of God's kingdom is burst into our present reality. We looked at how it burst into the present reality of of Martha and Mary, and particularly Lazarus last week as we looked at John 11. Uh, And the new creation... Uh, and with the new resurrection has come from the end of time, the as it is in heaven, into our current now. And we are to be able to live in resurrection. It's not just something that we look forward to uh, at the end of time when Jesus returns for his church, but it's something that he invites us into now. God's kingdom, his active rule and reign has come in Jesus And it's yet to come in its fullness when Jesus returns for those who are in him, who are in Christ, who have received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And uh, the theme that we have for this message series uh, is a passage that many of you are are very familiar with. It's a passage uh, that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, in Christ, then the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. God's offer of new creation came through Jesus' life, through his death, through his resurrection, and it extends to us today. And and this message series uh, that we're looking at this month and uh, on into the month of May, uh, it's going to be focusing on the fact that uh, this, the old, the old patterns of our brokenness and our sinfulness uh, that that give us pain and and all kinds of of, of distraught uh, experiences in our life, that we are, are called to exchange it for the new that we find in Jesus Christ, the new freedom, the new health, the new wholeness that we find in Christ alone. And this is a work that God wants to bring about in each one of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, There are some who believe that salvation and the life in new creation and life as a new creation, that we're brought into relationship with God, and then our Christianity is basically a matter of of sin management. And I got to say, guys, this is, this is so low. Uh, this is not at all the life to the full that Jesus came to bring for us. And, and I want to I encourage you, don't settle for an experience of Christianity that is merely some notion of, of sin management. God wants us to experience the life to the full that Jesus came to bring, and the Holy Spirit wants to make a tr- alive and real in each one of us each and every day. So Jesus, he didn't just break the power of sin on the cross. Uh, he, he, he overcame death, hell, and the grave for us. And so I realize that there are situations and times in our lives when we come to Christ, we, we leave our life of sin with its 
with addictions, with habitual sins, with all kinds of broken life patterns, and we say yes to the gift of salvation that, that Jesus gives us, and we, we experience that freedom. We know that we are in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but we continue to struggle. Anybody been there? Anybody experienced that? It, yeah. It's like, okay, did, did it not work? Did, did it not work? Is it not real? No. Uh, our, our faith, our reality, the reality of, of Christ in us, it is there. But there is that issue that we, God, is continue to bring, God continues to bring healing in our lives and wholeness and freedom that we want to, to work through. We are saved and we are being saved. We are righteous in, in the, the eyes of God because of Jesus Christ. And we are simultaneously being made righteous. This morning, our message deals with what we want to call our common problem, uh, that ongoing problem, even after we've become followers of Jesus. And that common problem is a three-letter word that we don't hear a lot in our culture today. It's sin. It's not a very popular word uh, I, I, because of moral relativism. It's not a popular word in our world. I got to say, in some circles, even of the body of Christ in the church, it's not a very popular word. It's not a word that we hear a lot of. Uh, in our world, people are encouraged to maybe find your own truth. But we believe and we have experienced the reality that there is one truth. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Sin. Sin is, is simply literally missing the mark. And we all have sinned. And we've fallen short of, of God's glory, of his best for us, as Paul writes. It's, it's failure, it's offense, it's taking the wrong course in this journey of life. And, and it's about missing God's good and loving purposes for each one of us. And everything that we read in God's word and his direction and his guidance all comes from a God who loves us, a God who is for us and only wants the best for us. And so we, we, we've all sinned and we've all been sinned against. We, sin is a reality. I don't, I don't have to tell you that the effects of sin are very hurtful and damaging, both the sins that we've committed against others and the sins that have been committed against us. Sin and evil are real, aren't they? And, and Satan is a real enemy. Uh, we've seen this evil and the effects of sin borne out in our own community. I mean, my gosh, the, the number of homicides that we've had just in the Augusta-Richmond County area over the last two weeks is ridiculous. I mean, it's crazy. It's like we've, all of a sudden Chicago has come to Augusta. I mean, it's crazy in terms of the numbers and just senseless crime over and over again. And of course, we cannot... Uh, you know, deny evil when we see the atrocities happening in Ukraine. I mean, uh, talk about evil on full display. I, I was reading an ex, uh, a piece in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, wow, this is coming from uh, a political writer in the Wall Street Journal. But listen what he has to say, um, Daniel Henninger. He said, evil fell into disrepute years ago. Even evil implied the possibility of a devil. And both came to be seen as impediments to some forms of private personal behavior. So we demoted evil 
and expanded the definitions of goodness. But banishing the devil came with a price, which is apparent as the world stares into the abyss of human ruin in Ukraine. And we live, in, we live in a world, the kingdom of darkness is a kingdom of evil, and Satan is the ruler of, of that world. He is a real enemy. But neither sin nor Satan should be our focus as followers of Jesus Christ. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling you to, to give this, this focus on him. I, we need to realize that Evil is real, that sin is something that we have to contend with, and that Satan is our enemy, but our gaze, our focus should be on Jesus, seeking first the kingdom of God, and then knowing everything else will find its right place. But God has called us to be wise to the tactics of the enemy, the schemes of Satan, and the strategies that seek to keep us in bondage and not to allow us to experience the full freedom that comes with salvation through Jesus Christ and through him alone. As I said last week, Jesus' resurrection, uh, his life, his death, his resurrection from the dead provides us God's gift of salvation. Salvation, that the rescue, the spiritual rescue that he gives us, uh, deliverance, him coming and, and, and restoring us, making us whole. It represents this new birth that we're all given, a launching point for new creation that we're talking about. So salvation is a word that I want you to, you know, you know that word. You've heard it a lot around here. But another word is sort of a religious S word that you may not hear a whole lot, but it, it's true and it's there. And we're going to be talking about throughout this series is called sanctification, to make holy, uh, to set apart, to consecrate. Uh, this, is, this is our holy status in Jesus Christ. For those who are in Christ, this is how God the Father sees us, sees us clothed in the righteousness of God. This is what Jesus has made possible, and this is what the Holy Spirit produces in you and me as followers of Jesus. Uh, Paul writes about this uh, throughout the, his letters to the early church. Here are just some of the verses that speak to our status as people who are in Christ sanctified. In 1 Corinthians, he says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And remember, this is an introduction of a book where he's bringing uh, correction to a church. So it's not like by, them, by him saying, you're sanctified, that means you're perfect. No, we, we have that status. This is who we are in Christ. But he's having to deal in the same letter with, with problems in the early church. Uh, later on in the same chapter, he said, it is because of Jesus, it is because of him that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom, that is our righteousness. Jesus Christ is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Later on in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul refers to the former life of sin, and he says, that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. This is a work that Jesus makes available to us. This is a work the Holy Spirit does in us. And, and the writer of Hebrews has also some things to say about this idea of, of sanctification and our status in Jesus Christ. Uh, he says, we have been made holy 
through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all. And then later in in verse 14 of Hebrews 10, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So we see that we have this status Uh, We have this status in Christ. When we receive the gift of salvation, we are saved. We are sanctified. We're set apart. We're holy. And we are simultaneously being saved. And we are being made holy. Last week, I told you about my grandfather and my, my grandparents. They had 13 kids. My mom was the seventh of 13. Talk about the ultimate middle child. Number seven of 13. Uh, And needless to say, this family, they all had hand-me-downs going both ways. There were five boys, eight girls, and there were hand-me-downs being changed. And I had 37 cousins, first cousins growing up. And and so I got hand-me-downs as well. Anybody here uh, ever worn hand-me-downs? Yeah, hand-me-downs. Yeah, they're great. And let's face it, sometimes when we get hand-me-downs, it's like, yeah, thank you for the hand-me-downs. And they don't quite fit right. You ever had those? It's like, you're going to grow into that. I just know. You know, I just know you're going to grow into it, and, you know, I don't have to buy it now. So uh, you're going to grow into it. So just hang on to it. And, and I got to say that in some ways, sanctification is the, in some respects, the ultimate hand-me-down from our big brother Jesus. I mean, really, think about it. We are saved. We receive the robe of righteousness and he, God sees us in Jesus' robe of righteousness, and, and he puts it on us. Uh, but it, sometimes it's not a perfect fit, right? We, it's something that, 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 we, that the Holy Spirit has to grow us up into. But it is, we never ever want to forget that this is who we are in Christ. This is who we are in Christ. This is how he sees us, not because we're sinless, Not because we never make mistakes, but because of Jesus Christ and because we are in Christ. Life in new creation is an invitation to be who we are, to fully be and live out our new identity in Christ and to fully enjoy what we have as a result of our relationship in Christ Jesus because uh, we are Uh, in relationship with the Father through the Son and the Holy Spirit. Relationship, relationship. It is all about relationship. We've said that a long time here at Vineyard Church. And and this goal of new creation, uh, of, of life in new creation, it is relational intimacy. It is relational dependency. It is relational obedience to God. Uh, These are the key to both our salvation, our rescue, and our deliverance. It's also the key to our sanctification, our being made holy, our growing and being set apart uh, for God and for his purpose. And this always begins with intimacy. It always begins with intimacy with God, which comes through spending time with him, talking to him, listening to him, reading his love letter to us, his word, and, and, and knowing that this is what he writes to us, knowing his promises, which leads to dependency on God, that we, that we know that we can trust him, that we look to him to do what he says that he will do, and this results in obedience to him. So it's intimacy, which leads to dependency, which leads to a life of obedience. But how many of us reverse that order 
And we seek to be people who are just being fully obedient to God, but we, we don't have that intimate relationship with him. We're, we're not drawing closer to him. So our efforts to be obedient, they're completely works of self. That'll wear you out. That'll wear you out. That'll dishearten you because we can't do it. We cannot do this. We cannot step up to the plate when it comes to being people who are righteous in and of our own strength. This is only a work that the Holy Spirit can do in us. Uh, the key to both our salvation and our sanctification is, is relational intimacy, relational dependency, relate, which leads to uh, relational obedience. We don't try to produce of the fruit of relationship without the relationship. We, we try and we make, uh, make our sanctification when we try to make it an outside-in thing. It's all about our works. It's all about performing. And that'll wear you out, that'll burn you out, and that'll defeat you, and the enemy knows that. And he loves to keep us in that trap. And God is inviting us. Jesus is inviting us. The Holy Spirit is inviting us. Remember Jesus' words, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're here today and you are burdened down with, with some kind of oppressive yoke, it is not Jesus' yoke. It, it is it's the yoke of of either expectations that you've placed on yourself or someone else, trying to please people, uh, something that the enemy's trying to do, but he calls us to freedom. He calls us to freedom. He calls us to, to deal with, with sin and to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to do that work of sin, uh, dealing with sin in us. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You gotta give this to the enemy. Uh, his, his, his playbook has never changed. His playbook has never changed. We're going to look this morning very briefly at Genesis chapter 3. We're going to see this common problem of sin. It stems all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Of course, in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God creates this, this amazing, beautiful paradise, this snapshot of the kingdom of God. It's this beautiful picture that he gives us, this, this paradise and he places Adam and Eve there, and they have this perfect relationship, uh, intimacy with God, Adam and Eve, intimacy with each other, and intimacy with the world around them, a beautiful work of creation that they are able to enjoy. And God get, tells them, hey, I want you to just enjoy every part of this paradise that I've given you, except there's one tree that I want you to stay away from. You can eat from any tree other than just this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's pick it up in Genesis 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, get this one, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The enemy still loves to throw doubt into the equation, doesn't he? Just like he did here with, that, with Eve. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And then the serpent said to the woman, you will not certainly die. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. And uh, he, here he, he starts the party with lying. Uh, he goes on to say, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and knowing evil. So 
He is lying here. He's deceiving Eve, but he's also placing seeds of distrust in Eve regarding God, who she had had relationship with and who she was in relationship with, and it was good and it was intimate and it was transparent. So it says in verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So we see fear enter into this perfect relationship that Adam and Eve had had with God because of, because of sin and, and God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Blame shifting already. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Blame shifting, the domino effect of blame shifting that we see launched here in the Garden of Eden and is still alive and well today, unfortunately. Doubt, deception, and distrust uh, of God. Uh, this comprises Satan's strategy. It did it then, and he still uses this same strategy today to lead you and me into sin. And that's why we need to spend time talking to and listening to God uh, in, in our prayer, in our worship, that intimacy that he's called us to, which leads to the dependency. We know we can trust in God. We know we can trust in his word. And the fruit of that is an obedient life uh, with God. Um, it's asking the Holy Spirit to give us discernment because we all have voices going on in our heads, right? Some more interesting than others, right? Um, some of us get therapy for that, and that's good. That's a good thing. But we need the work of the Holy Spirit, the gift of discernment that the Holy Spirit wants to give us so that we can recognize, you know what? That thought that just came to my mind, that's not aligned with God's truth. That is so against the truth of who God says I am. And, and it goes back to that thing of who we are in Christ, knowing fully living into our identity as sons and daughters of God. Ultimately, the enemy comes in, he produces this doubt, uh, this, this distrust, uh, the deception, and, and we find ourselves in sin, and ultimately we sin because we doubt God's goodness and his love for us. When we choose sin instead of God's best, we're saying, God, I know what your word says about you know, maybe the way I talk about other people, gossip about other people, but, you know, I, it, I, I want to do this, and I, I don't really trust your word. Or maybe, maybe God, I, you know, I know what your word says about my sexuality, but I would prefer to go do this with my sexuality, which is outside the, the, the wonderful boundaries of, of your, your word regarding sexual, sexuality. Because I, I, I feel like, God, you, 
you're really not for me because you want me not to have a good time. You don't want me to enjoy myself, whether it's uh, drug abuse or whatever it might be. When we sin, ultimately, it's because we doubt God's goodness. We doubt his love for us, that he is for us, that he is not against us. With this very first instance of sin and, the, and all instances of sin, we see that sin always results in a fracturing of relationship. It is all about relationship. And because it is all about relationship, the enemy loves to come in and just wreak havoc on all of our relationships. And we see here in the garden that first there's a breach in relationship between uh, Adam and Eve and God. That upward relationship before sin, there was this perfect communion. They enjoyed each other. Um, and then after they sinned, what happened? Fear enters the picture. They go and they, they run and they hide from God who is perfect love. Relationship with God is fractured, it's broken, it's torn. He's calling out, where are you? And that continues to be the heart cry of our God to all, to all who are lost where are you? I love you. I created you for relationship that I desire for you, what, whatever you've done. So we see that this, this breach in relationship with God because of sin. And then we see a breach in relationship with, with Adam and Eve, with each other. And how many of us know that's the case, right? That we, that we deal with the repercussions of, of, of relational brokenness with God, but then that doesn't just stay vertical that's also fleshed out in the way we interact with one another. We see it here in the garden and how Adam and Eve start blame shifting. You know, all of a sudden there's this disunity. Before there was perfect communion, no conflict, no frustration. But then after they sin, broken relationship with each other, uh, disunity, blame shifting. And there's also uh, a break in relationship with ourselves, isn't it? When sin comes... It, it, it has ripple effects, and it, it, it wounds our own hearts and our own lives. We see it here in the garden. Before sin, Adam and Eve, they never experienced shame. They never experienced shame. There was complete vulnerability and transparency uh, in their nakedness, but after they sinned, there was tremendous shame, and, and they had to go and hide, and they, they started trying to to cover up their own nakedness with their own works and, and their own efforts. And how many of us continue to do that today? When God wants to come and he wants to, to, to heal, to restore, to save us, to, to purify us, to make us holy. And the good news of Jesus Christ, it is truly good news because of the fact that the brokenness in these three areas of relationship and in every area of brokenness in our lives, Jesus came to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring wholeness. God saves us from sins that we commit. God saves us from sins that are committed against us. And he also saves us from our sinful response to sins that have been committed against us. Because sometimes we can be going along with our lives doing the best we can to honor God and to serve God, the enemy comes along and, and he, he uses a brother or a sister or a friend or a family member or maybe a complete and total stranger to sin against us. And rather than just let that offense stop there, what do we do? We say, well, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to do this. Revenge comes out. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves engaged in a sinful response 
uh, to an act of sin that's been committed to, against us. Have you ever been down that path before? And it's just this ugly, vicious cycle. And I like the world that we live in today. And God wants to set us free. He wants, he does want to make us a different people, a people that look different to the world around us, that's not responding with the same kind of junk that, that we see around us every day, that we see in, in dysfunction, whether it's in families, whether it's in communities, whether it's in corporate culture. God wants to set us free. He's called us to, to, to be different, to stand out, not in our own efforts, not in our own goodness, but to let the work of the Holy Spirit shine brightly in our hearts and our lives. This is a work that God wants to do and a reminder that our salvation is not just to produce sin management. We need to be aware of sin. We we need to, to understand how the enemy works, but our focus and our gaze needs to be on developing and deepening our intimacy with God We get to do that, again, through our prayer, through our worship, spending time talking to God, listening to him, spending time reading his word, the love letter that he writes to all of us and to the world that doesn't yet know him. He calls us to continually to to, to share this and to give that, and and we want to continue to do that. Uh, It's living into who we are. We are are children of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's saying yes to the Holy Spirit to continue to do that work of transformation and healing, that work of sanctification, making us holy, consecrating us, setting us apart. It's about growing into Jesus' robe of righteousness and and giving him our yes, giving the Holy Spirit our yes. Come, Lord, fill me. Um, And this morning, I just want to... I I want to challenge you this morning. There's a lot going on here about relationship. There's a lot going on here about, you know, how do we deal with sin? Do we just say, well, you know, I tried and I can't do it. Maybe, you know, God, you got to help me here. Uh, It's about growing in our relationship with Christ. It's about drawing near to him. And, And guys, every inch Every inch of effort that we put forth in growing closer to Christ and welcoming the Holy Spirit to come and do his work in our lives, God exponentially runs to us with millions of miles. It's it's that kind of contrast. This is so the heart of God for us. This is so his will, his preference for us. This is not something that he begrudgingly does. This is his desire for us. So he's looking for a people who will say yes with deliberate steps. Yeah, you know, I love the old quote I've mentioned many times. I think it's Dallas Willard that says that, you know, grace is not, it's, it's not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning, the notion of earning our salvation or our sanctification, but it's not in any way opposed to effort, that we have to say yes. It's not something that God's going to force on us. And so it's about continuing to say yes. And maybe it is for you a a yes to God, I want to receive your gift of salvation. And if you haven't done that, 
Uh, if you don't have a real relationship, a, an intimate relationship, which leads to dependency, which leads, leads to a life of obedience in Christ, I, I encourage you this morning, today is the day of salvation, God's word tells us. Today, Jesus invites you to receive the gift of his love, and you can do that this morning. God's word's really clear that if we confess our sins, if we say, God, I, I've missed the mark, I've sinned, God's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our sinfulness. And he will do that this morning. And we will celebrate that with you. And, and, and maybe you're here this morning and you've received the gift of God's love. You've received his gift of salvation. But you're still dealing with the same sin patterns that you've been dealing with for 15 years. I want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to, to bring freedom and, and, and to, to, to not be, not to settle for the old self, not to settle for the old Reese or the, the old whoever you are, but to say, Holy Spirit, I know there is newness. There is new life and new creation that you want me to experience. There is life to the full that is not just waiting for me when I see you face to face, Jesus, but it's something that you're calling me and you invite me to experience a foretaste of in the here and the now. The kingdom of God has come. It is yet to come, but it is here in part. So it's about partaking of that. The pursuit of Jesus, it's, it's just that. It's so much more than just sin management. Don't set your focus on your sin don't set your focus on the enemy. Set your focus on Jesus. I love that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth, including the sin of earth and the sin of the kingdom of, of darkness, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I want to invite you to stand this morning.